Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking Podcast. Today, I'm excited to read and share with you some of my thoughts on another chapter of the Bible. If you haven't yet, please visit my website at livingchristian.org. There you'll find Bible verse lists, Christian blogs, and a whole lot more. Be sure to check out the apparel store and use the exclusive code PODCAST20 to get 20% off your entire order. So whether you're a longtime follower or a brand new listener, I hope you find something valuable in this video. If you do, I appreciate a rating and review right here on the podcast page. It helps me get the word out. All right, let's get going on the new episode. All right, welcome to another episode of Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. We are diving into Mark 14. We're in the middle of our Easter series, uh, going from all the way from Mark 12 through the end of the uh, book of Mark, uh, going through the last few days, last 10 days or so, last seven days actually, of Jesus' life. And today, uh, we're into the stage to where we're about to have the Last Supper, he goes before the council. So this is a very important chapter for us to understand what is coming on Friday, what is coming on Good Friday. So let's dive into Mark 14. We'll talk about it along the way a little bit, and uh, we'll learn uh, all the sacrifices that Jesus did for us. So Jesus anointed at Bethany, uh, Mark 14. It is now two days before Passover and the festival of unlevel bread. The leading priest and the teachers of religious law we're still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made of essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste expensive perfume, they ask. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. Verse 6, but Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you. You can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. It's interesting, his correlation there with uh, what's important at the time, at the moment. You're always going to have poor in this world. We're always going to have the need to help people, but I'm only here for a limited time. And the, the, I think verse 8 sums up everything. And they probably didn't understand this at the time. Verse 8, she has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. Constantly through these chapters, Jesus is kind of telling the disciples what's going to happen, even though they don't even really pay attention to it or understand it at that time. All right, verse 10, Judas betrays <clears throat> Jesus. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. I mean, it's already set up. It's already foretold. Jesus already talked about it. Okay? Verse 12. On the first day of the festival of unlevel bread, when the Passover lamb was sacrificed, is sacrificed, excuse me, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. 
At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. This is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the the city and found everything, just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. It's interesting how it doesn't say it. I'm sure they were surprised at the time. I'm sure that... Jesus saying, hey, go into the town and you'll meet somebody with a water pitcher and prepare a meal. And Jesus has already put that on that man's heart. He's foretelling the future even a few minutes ahead or a few hours ahead. I can't imagine being a disciple and looking at Jesus at the time going, what are you, crazy? How do you know these things are going to happen? They've been through so much uh, and they should believe everything. But I'm sure they had some uh, uncertainties there uh, for that. Verse 17, in the evening, Jesus arrived with the twelve. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. 19, greatly distressed, each one asked, in turn, am I the one? He replied, is one of you twelve who is eating with the, from this bowl with me? <clears throat> For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who portrays him. It would be far better for that man if he never, if he had never been born. As there, okay, let's stop there. He's talking about Judas, and how terrible it's going to be for Judas, almost with sympathy. Jesus knew this was going to happen. He's telling the disciples it was going to happen, and he almost has sympathy for Judas because the way he phrases it is. How terrible it will be for the one who betrays me. It will be far better for that man if he had never been born. Jesus knew he was going to betray him, and he almost felt pity for the man because he knew what was going to happen to Judas afterwards. It's interesting, in my mind, the compassion that Jesus has, even for Judas, and when he knows what's going to happen, and Judas is the one that betrays him. It was almost as... It had. It, it was not almost. It had to happen that way. It was... It was scripted that way for Jesus. He knew that Judas, and he almost put Judas in that position. He felt compassion for him. Sometimes I think we view Judas as the betrayer of Jesus, which he was. Don't, don't, don't confuse yourself. He was. But did he even have a choice, uh, which was interesting to me. Uh, it had to happen that way. Uh, it had to, he had to be betrayed in order for those sequence of events for Jesus to be crucified in that way. So he did have compassion for Judas, uh, knowing what Judas was going to um, endure afterwards. Always kind of was interesting to me, that perspective. All right, uh, verse 22. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples and saying, Take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it in the new kingdom of God. Then he sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. All right, so we're working our way through here. This is communion, right? This is what we do at church. I'm not sure what church you go to. Uh, I'm not sure what um, denomination you go to, but uh, typically in all Christian churches we do uh, go to um, have uh, have uh, this representation 
of the Last Supper with communion. So some people do it every week, some people do it once a month, whatever that may be. So this is that example. And, and one other thing I think was interesting to me as I read this <clears throat> was um, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until I drink a day I drink it in the new kingdom of God. I, I mean, so I, I guess we have wine in heaven, which is interesting. Uh, which was interesting. Um, anyways, uh, verse 27, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. On the way, Jesus told them, all, all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, even if, I, even if everyone else desert you, I will never. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. All the others vowed the same. And we all know what's going to happen here. Uh, 32. Uh, they went in the olive grove called uh, Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And he uh, became deeply trouble, troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, this awful hour awaiting him might pass him. Abba, Father, he cried out. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus knows what's going to happen. and He's anguishing, uh, probably not necessarily only of the physical but just the, the, the leaving his disciples and leaving this earth and leaving the world the way it was. Verse 37, Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them asleep, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. And they didn't know what to say. Verse 41, when he returned to them the third time, he said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's get going. Look, my betrayer is here. So he already knew that Judas had already betrayed him. <clears throat> Verse uh, 43, and immediately, even as Jesus said to him, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priest, the teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged sing signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. <clears throat> as soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him a kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and, arrest, and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Jesus asked him, am I, am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day, but these things are written to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. Then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. One young man following behind was clothed only with a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. I always thought that was an odd uh, last couple of uh, lines there. 
Verse 35, or 53, I'm sorry, Jesus before the council. Then Jesus in the high priest's home, where the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of religious law were gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and went right into the high priest's courtyard. Then he sat with the guards, warning him, warming him by the fire. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they couldn't find any. Many, many false witnesses spoke against him, but they were contradicting each other. Finally, some men stood up and gave this false testimony. We have heard him say, I will destroy the temple man made with human hands, and in three days I will build another made without human hands. But even then, they started to get their story straight. So it's interesting. He did say he was going to destroy the temple and build it three days later, but he wasn't talking about the physical building. In one way, he is. But in reality, he's talking about himself. Okay? He's talking about himself. Verse 60. Then the high priest stood up before the others and asked, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus was silent and made no reply. Then the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. There's a lot of people, I'm sorry, I'm pausing here for a second. There are a lot of other religions that claim that Jesus never said that he was God or even the Messiah. Right there. Mark 14, verse 62, Jesus says, I am. And in my version, it's all capped. Why is it all capped? Because he's saying that he is the I am. Right? And in the Old Testament, it refers, God refers to himself as I am. So he is saying that I am the Lord. I am God. I am the Messiah. <clears throat> verse 63, then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, why do we need other witnesses. You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they all cried. He deserves to die. 65. Then some of them began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him and beat him with their fist. Prophesied to us, they jeered. And the guards slapped him as they took him away. So it's already started. The, 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 the torture, the anguish has already started. He's already started to get beaten immediately. Right? They beat him immediately after they kind of called him guilty uh, of blasphemy by saying that he is God, that he is the Messiah, he is the chosen one, he is the Son of Man, as they refer to in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Verse 66, Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, You were one of the ones, one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went on to the entryway. Then, just then, a rooster crowed. Verse 69. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, this, is, this man is definitely one of them, but Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be the one with them, you, because you are a Galilean. 71. Peter swore, I... Curse on me if I am lying. I don't know this man you are talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. 
how painful it must be for Peter to know that he betrayed Jesus and Jesus knew that he would do it. Sometimes I think we forget that pain that, that Peter has at that moment, but we should have that every day. Jesus went to the cross, rose again on the third day, which we'll talk about on, on Friday, knowing that we're going to continue to betray him and deny him and deny him, excuse me. In some ways, we deny Jesus every day by the way we live, by the way we act, by the uh, the things that we say. It's weird because, not weird, but it's it's strange because even in today's culture, we're, some of us, not all of us, some of us are almost embarrassed to proclaim Jesus as king. That, it, we, that we follow Christ, that we are Christian, that we love Jesus and we live for Jesus. And Jesus knows that we're in our hearts and in our words, we're going to continue to betray him just like Peter did. Yet Peter immediately remembered Jesus' words, broke down and cried with such anguish because he felt such guilt that he had betrayed Jesus just like Jesus had told him he was going to. I think sometimes, I'm not trying to make us feel bad here today on uh, Palm Sunday, but there sometimes I think we you know, deny Christ or deny our faith, deny knowing Jesus, and go about our day without feeling any sort of uh, anguish or pain the way Peter did. I'm not trying to make us all feel guilty today, but we all fall short, and we should remember that that probably pains Jesus a little bit. It uh, certainly doesn't make him happy, but the, the beautiful thing is he knows it already. Just like he knew Peter was going to deny him three times before the rooster crowed twice, he knows that we're going to fall he knows that we're going to be sinful. He knows that we're going to get wrapped up in this world and in this culture and in our daily lives. Yet he loves us anyways. He, it, he, it didn't, he didn't not love Peter because of that. He loves us in spite of our failures. It's, it's such a powerful um, and beautiful, comforting thing. Every single time that we fall, Christ will be there to pick us back up because he knows we're going to do it. He knows we're going to deny him and he knows we're going to fall. And yet he, he, he loves us through it and he helps us get back up every single time we fall. So let that be comforting to you today. Let that be comforting knowing that Jesus knows you're going to fail, but every single time he's going to be there for us and uh, love us through it. All right. Uh, that is Mark 14. We'll hit Mark 15 uh, on, uh, on good Friday, actually. And, uh, and that's a beautiful thing. So sorry, we're a day early than we normally are, but I'm punch, uh, pushing this thing out on, on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to answer a few questions now. So if you're live here on Instagram, uh, make sure you put your question in the little question area on the bottom of your screen. And I'm happy to answer uh, a few questions, uh, that you may have. If not, I can try to read some of the comments, but sometimes it goes by a little quick. So, uh, put them in the question mark on the bottom. That's a whole lot easier. Uh, for me uh, to read. It's a whole lot easier. All right. So, all right, let's see what questions we have. Um, if it wasn't Judas, uh, would it have been somebody else because it was already written? Yes. I would say my answer would be uh, yes. 
Um, uh, it was already written, already foretold uh, in the Old Testament. This is how it's going to be. And uh, yeah, if it wasn't Judas, it was going to be somebody. Somebody had to lead uh, those guards and those Pharisees and those people to Jesus uh, so he could be arrested. Uh, Jesus was going to be arrested, and that was how it was going to be. Just like when Jesus was talking about um, the fact that, you know, hey, when you go into town, there's going to be a man with a pitcher of water, and this is set us up for the Passover meal. Jesus already kind of knew what was exactly going to happen. So was it foretold that somebody was going to betray Jesus? Or was it destined that Judas was going to uh, betray Jesus? Uh, I don't think it really matters one way or another. I, in my heart, <clears throat> think it was always going to be Judas. And Peter was always going to deny him three times. We do have choice in this life, right? We do have the power of, of decisions. But I, I'm kind of in the mode of like, Jesus already knows how we're going to make that decision sometimes. Like we have the, the free will, but he kind of sees the big picture because he's outside of space, time, and matter. So even though we have free will to make that decision, uh, and to choose one thing or another, uh, Jesus already kind of knows what decisions we're going to make because of the way he views the world. Does that make sense? All right, hopefully it helps. All right, let's answer another question. A bunch of them just came through. So, uh, <clears throat> are, are you live every day at 9 a.m.? Um, this is my first time watching. Actually, the, I, I go live on Mondays and Fridays at this time. So this is 8 o'clock in the morning, my time here in Texas, but obviously 9 o'clock where you're located. So Mondays and Fridays, I, I go live. All right. Um, all right, let's keep reading. Uh, did you, yeah, Several on here about Judas. Did Judas go to heaven? Uh, is one, was Judas saved or, he's in, or is he in hell? Uh, you know what? I can't answer that. Um, I can't answer that. Uh, I would say, you know, if you read the Bible and you believe Jesus' words, you are saved. When you accept Christ as your Savior. Now, Judas betrayed Jesus, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he uh, lost his salvation in the sense of uh, he betrayed Jesus, therefore he doesn't believe that Jesus is his Savior anymore. But maybe he did. Only God and Judas knows how that played out. Uh, so I, I don't know the answer to that. I've thought about that a bunch. Um, I've thought about that a bunch. Like, how could Judas betray Jesus, uh, if he viewed Jesus as his Lord and Savior, if he lived for Jesus? I don't know. Uh, there's a couple of questions about him committing suicide, which is true. Judas committed suicide. Doesn't that mean he went to hell? No, it doesn't necessarily mean he went to hell. Right? If you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you, and you live for Christ, that's how you get to heaven. The only unforgivable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which in essence is the rejection of Christ, the rejection of the gospel, rejection that Jesus is not your Savior, therefore you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. The suicide thing is touchy, but once again, that's an act. That's a physical act on this world, not necessarily what's in your heart or how you view Jesus. So I think we've been told that there are sins that are unforgivable, uh, you know, suicide being one of them. Um, but the Bible talks about the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the only one. So I don't, I don't know the answer to those things. 
Uh, I like to think that, um, you know, that is going to be on Judas' standpoint between Judas and God. So I don't know. Uh, and if he is in heaven, then that does show us the forgiving nature of our God, which is fantastic because we fail, we fall all the time. Not to the point to where we, you know, help Jesus die physically, um, but uh, but we do fail him and sin constantly. And so he is a forgiving God. All right, one more question, then we'll uh, we'll get about our our good Sunday. Uh, can you uh, the Calvinism one is tough. Can you believe in Calvinism and still believe in free will? I, I'm not sure. Um, Calvinism is is in, from what I know because I'm not a Calvinist, so to speak. I don't. I guess I'm not. Uh, but that that believes everything is preordained. Everything, from my understanding, everything is set in stone of and, and pre-written, so to speak, for you. Uh, therefore, you may not have free will. I think you possibly do. Maybe those things can work hand in hand, but I don't know the answer to that because I haven't studied enough on Calvinism, uh, to be honest with you. All right. Um, will you pray for us at the all end? Absolutely. All right. Last question, and we'll. Uh, um, have you ever read the Bible on a plane before? I don't think I've ever gotten that question. So I'm going to answer that because it's an odd question, but interesting. Um, yes, I, I've read my Bible on a plane. Um, I don't know the answer whether I've I've actually taken my physical Bible and opened it up and read it while flying on a plane. Uh, I will try that next time on a plane. That's interesting. I have I've, I have it on my phone with the YouVersion app, which I do have a, that T-shirt on today. No sponsorship, just happen to have it on. And um, uh, so I've read, you know, verses and, and things on my phone because it's handy and I'm on the plane and that's what I, Bible plans on a plane. Uh, but I don't know if I've actually had my physical Bible open in a plane, but uh, I'll try that next time. That's a good, uh, maybe that's a good way to uh, spur some questions on. Uh, I'd love for somebody to ask me why I'm doing that so I can uh, uh, tell them about Jesus. <laughs> so, all right, let's pray. Uh, and then we'll get about our uh, Palm Sunday. We all have things to do. Uh, and uh, to celebrate this Holy Week, uh, we need to get to church today. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. As we begin this Holy Week, this is the week as Lord Jesus, you, you marched into Jerusalem and you started down the path of, of showing us what we meant to you. In just a few short days, Lord, you're gonna, you were hung on this cross and you rose again three days later. But between now and then, so much happened. Lord, thank you for reminding us that so much can change in seven days. Lord, we get wrapped up into our lives. We get wrapped up in our routines and we forget how you can change things in a moment. And as we read Mark and read the story of the resurrection and Easter, help remind us that so much can change in a week. Today, over 2,000 years ago, you marched into Jerusalem knowing that in seven days you would rise again and how much the world has changed because of those seven days. It's not lost on us, Lord, that those are seven days. That in the very beginning, you created everything in seven days. 
and how you created everything is only exemplified by these next seven days. We're so grateful for what you can do in seven days. Please be with everybody watching or listening to this right now, Lord. Have them Help them have peace in their heart and understanding that no matter how many times we fall, whether we fall like Peter and deny Christ, or even worse, sins like Judas, that you're always going to be there for us. To pick us back up, brush us off, and love us through our failures. We're so grateful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a uh, wonderful uh, Palm Sunday, and we'll talk again on Good Friday. And uh, until next time, keep Jesus on your heart and forever on your mind. Love you guys.